Hi, this is David. Welcome to episode 17 of Upward Journey Bible Study, where we study the Bible and theology. This episode focuses on learning some of the content and message of the book of 2 Timothy. In this epistle, Paul talks about the need for Christians to struggle and suffer for the sake of God's kingdom. There are 21 epistles in the New Testament, 13 are written by Paul, and there are 8 general epistles. Paul's epistles from Romans to 2 Timothy are Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, and 2 Timothy. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations for this episode are taken from the World English Bible because the World English Bible is in the public domain. Let's get started. 2 Timothy is four chapters long. The author of 2 Timothy is Paul. Paul identifies himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. The basis of Paul's apostleship is God's will and the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Paul addresses this letter to Timothy. Paul calls Timothy his beloved child. He greets him with grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul expresses his gratitude to God for Timothy. Paul says he served God with a pure conscience. Paul prayed for Timothy day and night. Paul understood the necessity and importance of prayer for his ministry and the ministry of Timothy. It is important for Christian parents to teach their children about God. The prophet Moses emphasized the importance of parents teaching their children about God in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Paul recounts the faith in God that was present in Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. Timothy's grandmother and mother had a genuine faith in God, and they passed that faith on to Timothy. Such godly stewardship is not easy, but worth the effort. Parents and grandparents need to model a genuine Christian life and pass on correct teaching to their children and and pray for their spiritual welfare. Not only was Timothy a Christian, he was a genuine Christian with a genuine faith. He was a great help to Paul in his ministry. Timothy also was able to teach others about God. Paul exhorts Timothy to use his gifts that God has given to him for his ministry. What was needed to stir up this gift? First, stirring up this gift involved overcoming fear. God's Spirit gives us a power, love, and self-control so we can effectively use our gifts. Paul's message to Timothy indicates the danger of being timid. Paul suggests in this context things that can help us overcome timidity. One, overcome the fear of what others think. Two, accept hardship. And three, the confidence that God will help us stay true to the end. First, overcoming the fear of what others think. Paul encourages Timothy not to be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ and Paul's imprisonment. Secondly, there is the fear of hardship. Christians will suffer persecution 
and must be willing to suffer for Christ. Enduring hardship means more than just enduring sufferings and persecution. It implies the need to work hard for God's cause. Fear is overcome by faith that God will help us stay true to him to the end. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, For this cause I also suffer these things, yet I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to guard that which I have committed to him against that day. God is all-powerful and all-knowing. He is a great security guard. We can fall away from the faith, as Paul says later about other believers who turn from God. However, it is possible to stay true to God. We can have confidence that God will guard us and protect us if we will let him. Paul was enduring hardship for the sake of the good news. What was it about the good news that motivated Paul to endure hardship and suffering? Well, the power of God helps Paul deal with hardship. Paul says that he endures hardship for the good news according to the power of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. According to the good news, God saves us and calls us with a holy calling. What is the source of this holy calling? Well, it's not our own good works. We do not earn God's calling by good works. Well, this calling is based on God's purpose and grace. This purpose and grace are given to Christians before time eternal. What is God's purpose and grace? God's purpose is that all repent and believe and be saved. God's purpose is that salvation and grace are in Christ Jesus. While not all will be saved, that is God's purpose and plan that everyone who so wishes to believe may be saved. God's purpose and plan is to make known through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Christ abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the good news. For this good news, God appointed Paul a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to the Gentiles. Preaching means proclaiming the good news of salvation. As an apostle, Paul was sent to be a witness for Christ. As a teacher, Paul helped establish believers in their faith. Paul told Timothy to hold the pattern of sound words, which Timothy had heard from Paul. Sound words means healthy words. How do we hold the pattern of sound words or healthy words? It is by faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And we guard it through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Some of Paul's suffering was no doubt that some fellow workers and supporters of Paul turned away from him. Paul mentions two who turned away from him. They were Phygelus and Hermogenes. On the other hand, Onesphorus refreshed Paul and was not ashamed of Paul's imprisonment. Onesphorus was also of help in serving God in Ephesus. 
Paul does not tell us how Onesiphorus refreshed him. Maybe it was through encouragement and prayer. Maybe Paul was a little discouraged and Onesiphorus encouraged him. Whatever it was that Paul needed, Onesiphorus was there to help. Are there people in prison today that need encouragement? Are there people today who perhaps Christians who are are in the hospital and sick that need our encouragement and help? Can you bring a meal to them if they are sick or recovering from a surgery or undergoing cancer treatment? Onesiphorus was there to help Paul in his need. Now for 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul again called Timothy his child. He told him to find strength in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Here grace refers to the power and strength God freely gives to believers to live the Christian life. Timothy knew the things he had been taught by Paul, and Timothy was to pass this teaching on to men who could also uh, become faithful teachers. Paul tells Timothy he must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. This teaching ministry of Timothy involved enduring hardship. First, teaching involves the discipline of studying and preparation. What guidelines was Timothy to follow in his teaching of teachers? One, Timothy was not to get entangled with the affairs of life. Just as a soldier was focused on his military service, Timothy was to focus on his teaching ministry. Two, secondly, Timothy had to follow God's rules. Just like an athlete does not get the crown unless he follows the rules, so Timothy needs to compete according to God's rules. An athlete must train and give his all in the competition without cheating to win the prize. Thirdly, Timothy was to work hard at teaching, just like a hard-working farmer works so he can have a crop. Paul suffers hardship for the good news, which includes the good news that God raised Jesus from the dead and that Jesus was a descendant of David, showing that he was the Messiah. Paul suffered for this good news, even though it led to his imprisonment, so that others might obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Paul says the following about Jesus Christ in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he can't deny himself. What pattern of life should be gathered from this saying? One, to live with Christ, we must die with Christ. We die with Christ at conversion when we die to sin and are joined to Christ. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. We who die to sin... How could we live in it any longer? 
Or don't you know that all we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. What pattern of life do we gather from this other than to live with Christ, we must die with Christ? Well, second of all, we reign with Christ. To reign with Christ, we must endure. We must be willing to stay true to God to the end and endure hardship. And three, to be accepted by Christ, we must accept him. We need to be faithful just like Christ was faithful. Paul tells Timothy in regards to the teachers that he is teaching to remind those teachers that God calls us to die with Christ by dying to sin and enduring hardship as a Christian and not being ashamed of Jesus Christ and being faithful to Jesus Christ. Paul tells Timothy to work hard at being suitable to God. We are saved by grace and not by good works, but it is not suitable to God if we do not strive to live for God. This means doing hard work and properly handling God's word of truth. This also means avoiding talk that is not profitable and avoiding talk that is harmful. What does it mean to properly handle God's truth? To properly handle God's truth, we must know it, understand it, and obey it. God's word must not be mixed with other worldviews and philosophies. Timothy is to avoid these non-biblical ideas. Paul calls these other ideas empty chatter. Paul also likens these false doctrines to spreading harmful medical conditions, such as gangrene or cancer, uh, which spreads more to more, more body tissue and destroys the body. These false teachings in Paul's day overthrew the faith of some. One example of harmful teaching is that in Paul's day, some were saying that the resurrection had already occurred and it hadn't already occurred. God's word is the word of truth and, and God's word has a firm foundation. God's firm, good foundation has a mark or title on it that says that God knows those who are his. And this mark or title on God's foundation also says that let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from unrighteousness. This suggests that the ones who are God's are those who live righteous lives. Paul then gives an illustration of a house with different kinds of vessels. These vessels are like symbols of, of people, because people are like these kind, different kinds of vessels. Some vessels are gold, some vessels are silver, others are made of wood, some are made of clay. Some of these vessels are used for honor and some for dishonor. Which would you rather have, a golden vessel used dishonorably or a clay vessel used honorably. It does not matter as a Christian whether God has made you a gold or silver or wood or clay pot. 
What matters is, are you using what God has given you to bring him honor and glory? What matters if you to God is if you're a useful vessel for God. To be useful, you must be an honorable vessel. What makes a vessel honorable and useful to God? One, an honorable vessel has been thoroughly cleaned. Personally, I would rather drink from a clean cup made of clay than a dirty gold cup. An honorable vessel will be sanctified. A sanctified vessel is set aside. I prefer to have my own cup of water to drink out of rather than, you know, share it with a group. An honorable vessel will be suitable for the master's use. An honorable vessel will be prepared for every good work. Let us look at these briefly. One, an honorable vessel has been thoroughly cleaned. What needs to be purged or cleaned? Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.22, If anyone therefore purchase himself from these, he will be a vessel for honor. The context suggests an honorable vessel has been purged from unrighteousness and empty chatter. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. This purging from unrighteousness is something the believer is to do. Notice Paul says the believer purges himself from these. 2 Timothy 2.21 What does it mean to be sanctified? It means that the vessel is set aside for serving God. It is devoted to God's use, not sinful use. Vessel here is referring to a person that God can use. That person is prepared for every good work. Paul then elaborates on unrighteousness and how to overcome it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 22 to 26. Paul mentions two things, fleeing and pursuing. Christians, to be useful to God, must flee sin and pursue the things of God. We are to flee youthful lust, and we are to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. We are to pursue these things jointly with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Paul does not give a list of what the youthful lusts are, but they would involve desires that lead to disobeying God's teaching. Christians are to pursue righteousness. Righteousness involves doing what is right in God's eyes. Christians are to pursue faith in Christ. Christians are to pursue a Christian kind of love and peace with God and getting along with other believers. We need to associate with those with a pure heart. The heart refers to the will, thoughts, and affections. We need to associate with those who desire to obey God, who have clean hearts and have clean desires instead of youthful lust. People cannot effectively pursue good and avoid youthful lust by associating with those who would drag them from God's path. Christians are to refuse foolish and ignorant questionings that generate strife. God's servants must not quarrel, but be gentle to all.
They must be able to teach, be patient, and in gentleness correct those who oppose God. Perhaps God may give them repentance leading to the full knowledge of the truth. Here is a picture of effective Christian witnessing. Effective Christian witnessing avoids foolish and ignorant questionings that generate strife. An effective Christian witness avoids quarreling, and they are gentle to all, even to non-believers. Christians who are to witness need to be able to teach. They must know God's word to teach it. To be able to teach a Christian must be a pure, honorable vessel. The Christians must have the boldness to correct those who oppose God, but must do it with gentleness. The Christian witness understands that it is God who grants sinners repentance and leads them to the full knowledge of the truth. The Christian needs to understand that non-believers are under the devil's snare. The non-believers are held captive by the devil to do the devil's will. That is why prayer is so important to be an effective witness. Now for chapter 3. In chapter 3, Paul prophesies of the dangers of the last days. The World English Bible says it will be grievous times. Here are the characteristics of the people in the last days living apart from God. One, they love themselves. To a degree, we must all have some self-love, like uh, loving ourselves enough that we eat food when we are hungry, or take a bath when we're dirty. But self-love should not go so far as to be selfish, failing to keep God first, and failing to think of the welfare of others. Also characteristic of the people in the last days is lovers of money. That means they're greedy. They're boastful. They brag about themselves. They're arrogant. They look down upon others because they think they're better than others. Blasphemers. When we put God in a false light, we are blasphemers. Disobedient, disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Other characteristics of people in the last days, Paul says, are that they will be unforgiving, slanderers. They will say false things about other people. They won't have self-control. They'll be fierce or brutal, mean to people. They won't be lovers of what is good and right. They'll be traitors. They'll be headstrong, reckless, and thoughtless. They'll be conceited, arrogant. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And they will hold an outward appearance of being godly, but they will deny its power. Paul tells Timothy to turn from these kinds of people. They had these kinds of people in Paul's day, and we have them today as well. Another characteristic of these people are people who creep into houses and take captive gullible women loaded down with sins. This refers to deceptive people who enter into homes and take captive women who are vulnerable to being misled 
and these deceivers lead them into all kinds of sins. These people will resist God's truth. They will have corrupt minds. Some people will resist God's truth when it is shared with them, but this should not make us timid to follow after God. Paul says that Timothy had followed Paul's teaching, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, and afflictions. Paul says that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. God's word makes people wise for salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. God's word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so Christians can be completely equipped for every good work. Now for chapter 4. Paul then gives this important charge to Timothy. This charge is before God and Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. This charge is given as a strong urging. It's very important to Paul. Paul is emphasizing how important it is that Timothy do the following. One, preach the word. That is, proclaim God's good news. Timothy is to do this in season and out of season. He's not just to do it when it's easy, but even when it's hard to do. Secondly, Timothy is to convince people of the truth of God's word. We have to give people reasons why we believe the way we believe and, and why the Bible is true. And Timothy is to rebuke with God's word, correct people with God's word. Timothy is to exhort with God's word, to encourage and urge people to do God's will and to obey God. The exhortation is to be done with long-suffering and teaching. Paul says a time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. They will instead surround themselves with speakers that will teach them what they want to hear. These people will, will reject the truth and listen instead to fables and to falsehoods. Like preachers that preach to have faith in yourself rather than have faith in God. Paul then exhorts Timothy to be watchful in all things, to endure afflictions, to do the work of an, of an evangelist, someone who shares the good news of Jesus with the unsaved, to fulfill his ministry. Paul is in prison and knows he is likely to die soon. Yet Paul looks back and sees he has fought the good fight. Serving God takes effort, especially when we dare to share God's good news with others and with those that do not even want to hear it. Paul has finished what God called him to do. He has kept his faith in God. Paul believed and knew that there was a crown of righteousness that the Lord the righteous judge will give to him and to all those who love Christ appearing. Not all of Paul's workers fought the good fight and endured to the end. Paul mentions Demas, who forsook Paul because Demas loved this present world, 
Only Luke was with Paul. Paul tells Timothy to come to Paul and to bring Mark with him, because Mark was useful to Paul for ministry. Even the great Apostle Paul needed helpers and needed other Christians to help serve his needs. He needed the encouragement of believers. Paul also wanted Timothy to bring his warm winter coat he had left with Carpus at Troas. We're not told why Paul had left his winter coat with Carpus, but he needed it at this time. Paul also asked Timothy to also bring some books, especially the parchments, which were books written on scrolls and probably, possibly included uh, Old Testament or scripture writings. Paul also mentioned Alexander the carpersmith, who did Paul much harm. We're not told why or, or what he did that harmed, harmed Paul, but he, Paul warned Timothy of how dangerous this person was and told him to be aware of him. Paul um, was in prison, and he apparently had already appeared for his first uh, hearing uh, before the judge. He was all alone. No one was there to support him when he appeared in court. His only support was the Lord Jesus himself. Paul says the Lord stood with him at his trial. The Lord gave him strength at his trial. Paul says Christ strengthened him that the message might be preached fully through Paul and that all the Gentiles might hear. I take this to mean that Paul used his first court appearance to boldly preach the good news. He says he was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Maybe this was uh, to be his means of execution. So he wasn't put to death yet. Paul had faith that God will deliver him from every evil work and preserve him for God's heavenly kingdom. Paul urged Timothy to greet other believers whose names Paul mentions by person. He asked Timothy to do his best to come before winter. I'm sure Timothy did his best to get there to Paul as soon as possible and brought that warm jacket to Paul before winter came. Paul ends his letter with these words, The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 22. So the first 16 books of the New Testament in order are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, and 2 Timothy. Thank you for joining with me and listening to this podcast. Be sure to search the Bible to evaluate all teachers, including me. Check out my website at upwardjourneybiblestudy.com where you can learn more about this podcast and other resources for spiritual growth. Always remember to keep God first in your life. Bye for now.